This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There are many places you can go to rub elbows with celebrities. Swanky hotels, chic restaurants, or you could meet Chris Brown, Martha Stewart, Michael Vick, or Joe Exotic, among others, here. A seat on this airline is by exclusive invitation of the U.S. government. Welcome to Con Air. In 1997, Nick Cage starred in an action thriller about an airline specifically for convicts. While the movie is fiction, the airline is not. Run by the United States Marshals Service, it has many names. The Justice Prisoner and Alien Transportation System, or JPATS, or as the title of the Nick Cage movie, Con Air. This is Chasing Evil, and I'm Chris Godzik. With me today is Mark McPherson, Chief of JPATS. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, Chris. Jeff Kelly, Aviation Enforcement Manager. Good morning. Good morning. 26 years on the job he is. And Mark Johnson, Laurel Edwards, and Joe Geist, who are Supervisory Aviation Enforcement Officers. Welcome, everyone. All right, Mark, let's just dive into Con Air. We know a little bit about it from the movies, but let's start separating fact from fiction it's just like the movies chris just okay. whatever you see you on, yeah you, you i think we can wrap it up right there yeah that, thanks for coming everyone there you go uh i like to give a correlation that's kind of like fedex right so one one in we have a customer and we have clients and we are asked to transport prisoners from one location to another just such as a just like a fedex package right so we have two customers we have the Bureau of Prisons and then the United States Marshal Service. And both of those uh, agencies have uh, needs to move prisoners around across yeah, the country. Why, why would a prisoner need to move around the country? A lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons. You know, to, to take the low-hanging fruit here, the Bureau of Prisons own and operate many prisons in the country. We may move a prisoner during the time that he's sentenced four or five times. Just take, for example, if someone in Idaho gets uh, sentenced to some time, but they're facility to that they're going to serve their time in is in florida well there's a need to move that prisoner so we we conduct those moves and you got a a fleet of jets to do so we do we operate a fleet of 737 boeing 737 aircraft and we'll get into it more but you also contract out for uh, some smaller airframes for some uh, vips that's correct we lease a small aircraft uh, to move someone that might have a a lot of media attention or someone that has uh, garnished long uh, sentences uh, that that may not be someone we want to move in with a general population we're going to get into that laurel Yes. Way down there at the... Uh, Good morning. The, uh, Good morning. Before you came here, you were at the Bureau of Prisons. That's right. As a correctional officer. Yep. Five years BOP. How did you choose that as a vocation? Uh, my mother hated it, so that's why I went into it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I just didn't want to go into the family business and... But I do have to ask, what was the family business? Flower shops. Boy, you did go the other way. 
Yeah. Do you regret that now? <laughs> some days, some days. Uh, okay. I was here this morning at, uh, I got here at 6 a.m. This is when they start the briefings and the loading of, of the planes. And Oklahoma City, actually, is interesting because it has its own prison on the airfield. That's correct. Yep. And, uh, and then you go up and they have a jetway. And just like you're uh, boarding the Southwest flight, they get on there. Fewer fights, probably, on your flights. Absolutely. Yeah, our pilots tell us all the time that they, they, uh, they feel safer on, the, on this particular aircraft than they do uh, on a commercial. Because most of our pilots come from the commercial world. So. And, and the belly chains and the, and the feet uh, chains do help. That's, that's absolutely correct. Right. How do you get your uh, inmates ready for travel? Like, what's the process on that? Well, we usually start off the morning uh, prior to the mission. There's a manifest that comes out that, that has all the trip information on it. Uh, we'll go over to the prison in the morning. We have a crew that goes over there, and they will uh, use that manifest to call the the uh, prisoners out and uh, ID them uh, first again visually and by by number and whatever identifiers that we need. They will go into the uh, rotunda and get uh, hooked up in the morning, the tops and bottoms and the three-piece suit, as we like to say, and, and then we uh, push them on the airplane. You have something that you guys call the black box prisoners, and what is what is that? Uh, it's an extra security device that goes on the prisoners. Uh, it lessens the amount of movement that they can use with the regular handcuffs. And who might get that? Uh, anyone that has some kind of identifier uh, for them for like a propensity for violence. Uh, maybe maybe they're, uh, uh, they just got in a fight in their cell before they came out and the Bureau of Prisons said they wanted to put a black box on them. Uh, mostly security reasons. Uh-huh. And Chris, okay. we'll also put those on folks that have already we've already identified as having had a propensity to try to manipulate the the restraints. I don't remember his name, but we and one of you guys may remember, but I believe he was Cuban. And if you didn't put big boys on him with his black box, he would break the black box and his handcuffs off, and then hand them to you. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. Big old, you know, big guy. How do, how, do you break a, his, how do you break his cuffs? I think he used the black box as leverage to because he was that strong and would twist his wrist uh, in a fashion that it would uh, just break the whole thing off. And he would stand there. You would, you would expect that to be a bad thing. I think he did it more than once, if I remember right. Uh, his whole thing was he would get hooked up in the morning and, uh, hey, I need uh, big boys. He traveled a bit. He knows what he's talking about. Right. And, and so, you know, Chris, for, just for your awareness, big boys are referring to cuffs that are oversized. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Over, oh, okay. Oversized cuffs. Okay, yeah, thank you for that. For, for some, for large individuals. Yes. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. And so the officer that was uh, putting the handcuffs on, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm the boss around here. Well, they wouldn't put the, the, you know, the larger oversized cuffs on him. He's like, all right. 
he'll get, <laughs> get on the airplane. He's a, he's one of the guys that has a box on, so he sits towards the rear of the plane. And he would, as soon as he sat down, he would break those handcuffs off and, and just hand them to the guy. He, he just wants his, his big boy handcuffs on. He didn't cause any problems, but he had the ability. I think somebody's got a pair of, yeah, I think somebody's got a pair of the, 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 of the, yeah, Mark's got a pair of the ones that he broke off. So, yeah. Yeah. His name is Montgomery, actually. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, I heard that he could do this. So I took him to the back of the aircraft and put him in the bathroom, turned around. I said, I didn't believe he could do it. So he, he did. So they're in my office. He was nice about it. I mean, obviously. Have you ever seen anybody else who's ever been able to break their handcuffs off? I mean, it can be done. It's a it's a manipulation of how it's been, oh, okay. how, how it's done. You can break them, right? Pretty easy, actually. <laughs> I imagine the first time that happened, it would kind of freak you out a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Especially uh, if he was mad, and not just doing it because I said he couldn't do it. Right, so. right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, though, we hadn't seen very many people do that. Though. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, interesting enough, something so simple I found I found so fascinating. So you're putting people in a pretty confined space. So the first thing I thought of was, does the gang affiliation come into play? And do you look at that when you're seating people on a plane? We do, for sure. We have an IRS uh, report that comes out every morning about like high profile that's going to be on the aircraft, separatees, gang affiliation. So they really take into account where these inmates are going to be sitting, make sure they're not next to each other. I would assume that you get certain gangs from certain areas, like you'll get a lot more MS-13 in Texas and New York. Do they tend to be in groups or do they tend to be more individuals? Like you're not going to get five guys from MS-13 on one flight, are you? Yeah, you could. There's been times when we uh, picked up on that and there was a... Uh, some kind of number that we felt uncomfortable with and we'd made phone calls and had had changes made to that uh so yeah that does happen and i i don't remember what they are but yeah they depending on where you're at you get certain you get more of a certain type of gang mm-hmm. talking about ms-13 we just had a request by the bureau of prisons they decided to house uh their ms-13s in certain facilities and they most of them were not in those facilities so they made a request for us to move a large number. We mo- end up moving 71 uh, MS-13 gang members on one particular flight. And so oh, wow. believed at this time to probably be the largest uh, flight of definitely of, uh, those types of, of that for gang sure. uh, at, at one time. So Did that flight require a little bit ec- extra precautions? Definitely. Yeah, well, there was mitigation there uh, on crew members and, and who and sure, preparation. Security, security personnel yeah. for sure. So you're separating them by gang affiliation. You're uh, you're separating. I noticed the men and the women in different parts of the aircraft. That's normal as well. Yeah, Chris. A lot of these guys uh, hadn't uh, had any contact with females other than the officers that uh, work in their facilities. And so uh, when they get a chance to uh, talk to the females, they certainly take advantage of it. So we do our best to keep them separated and uh, try to keep those problems down. Does that become a problem at all? Oh, it could. If you uh, allowed it, it could be a problem for sure. What other considerations go into where you're seating different people? Well, you spoke about earlier, or we, we touched briefly on the, the black boxes, right? So right. We, those folks are already identified. We generally try to seat those folks, um, you know, separate them from each other. Right. Usually try to put them in a place where they can't do anything if they so inclined, which would maybe be a window seat. There is more service going on on this plane than you get on any commercial flight you take. There is a medic. He said he uh, has a lot of blood sugar issues. A lot of the prisoners are on insulin. They sometimes have cardiac events. 
but my last United flight did not have a medic on it. So, uh, but they may have called, had to call for, you know, sometimes they do call for a medic. They can call for one, but if you're in the air, it's better to have one on, That's on the right. flight with you. And the medic goes on every flight. Every flight, yeah. Every flight. Have you been aboard when there have been any medical episodes? Yeah, we, we have. That's a lot more frequent than the, than the physical uh, type altercation with the inmates. So they, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of the guys that we haul around and the girls, they, you know, they have medical needs that are taken care of, you know, by the system. So uh, we, it does happen. And sometimes, uh, you know, the paramedic will hook them up to a machine and say, we need to get this guy on the ground having some kind of cardiac issue or, or something, it could be other things. Uh, usually it's cardiac, uh, epilepsy or, uh, episodes are, are quite frequent as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, we have to get them on the ground and that starts a whole nother ball rolling a, a big change to your day. And you know, when that happens, that's for sure. You've got delays and taking care of the, of the sick person as well. Right. So. And then you'll land at any, in any airport. Uh, we do depending on the, the nature of the problem. Uh, they will land if they have time, if the medic tells them that, you know, we've got 20 or 30 minutes, but we need to get him on the ground. So the pilots might work with the, uh, medic on which, uh, airport they want to go to, depending on where we, where we are located mm-hmm. in the United States right. in the air, uh, a place that would have or provide better medical care for the situation that, that we're dealing with. It's crazy. I actually had two medical emergencies at the same time. One guy, uh, had stopped breathing. And the guy sitting next to him said, hey, I don't think this guy's breathing. And so I had a medic have take him, and he's giving this guy CPR on the ground while we're trying to get uh, an ambulance uh, there for him. And then just five minutes later, I get a call to the back, another guy having a heart attack, legit heart, heart attack, for real. So I've got two ambulances at the same time, one at the front, one at the back, dealing with two guys in distress and you were happen to be on the ground at the yeah, time yeah yeah oh, we, wow. we were on that's, the ground thankfully that's, yeah that's thankfully lucky. yeah wow yeah so okay. uh that's uh uh it, it's happened okay it's happened. interesting yeah. yeah that's uh happened in montgomery also that last flight we took him he had a heart attack and yeah didn't make it yeah so he he made it off our airplane alive but after that not this, so much this is the guy who broke the cuffs mm-hmm. he had a heart attack yeah while you were in the air no we were just landed in florida when he started having it. he had to be taken out by an ambulance still though. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And then you also take an engineer. Should something go wrong with the airframe? Again, not something uh, that, that they normally do on a commercial flight, but we'll just take an engineer in case something goes wrong. I love that. 
Yeah, and that's been really helpful for our for our, our division, really. You know, so I, I went up on the plane today, and I'm expecting uh, Conair. I am expecting some individual steel cages. Super disappointing. <laughs> Was a little disappointing, I'm not going to lie. I expected, I just expected a little bit of like a flying fortress. And what I got was uh, a Southwest flight. A regular airplane. It's a regular airplane. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was uh, a little less exciting than I was hoping for, to be honest. I was looking for like, something like, oh, this is where we, when we have Hannibal Lecter on, this is where we put him. It was like, shockingly normal. And the inmates were just, I guess, maybe happy to get out of a cell. So this is like a treat to do something at least a little bit different. Yeah, Chris. So there's very few modifications made. I mean, we're these aircraft were formal. You know, the government bought them from a, a commercial vendor, right. and and they were utilized in the in commercial air industry. And so, very few uh, security uh, upgrades or features. You saw that airplane. That's the way all our aircraft are, are outfitted. And uh, no cages, no, the only thing they got is a seatbelt and, of course, the restraints. That now, I, I can request a seat assignment uh, on, on a commercial flight. So perhaps I couldn't get on this flight and request an aisle seat, yeah. kind of midway through the flight, you know, midway in the air. That you can't do. It actually depends happen. on how you act. Because if you act up, we'll take you to the back and we'll make sure we give you a nicer seat. I don't like to sit in the back of the plane. Well, well then you would not. <laughs> I, won't, I won't be, I, I won't act up. And then a friend of mine, I was telling him I was doing this uh, podcast uh, with J-Pats. He goes, you know what? What do they serve? Do they, do they serve, uh, do they get soda? Do they get peanut? Like what? Bologna. A lot of bologna. A lot of bologna. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so It smells bad. So if you're a fan of bologna, this is a great day for you. It's probably not good bologna. Okay. And half the time it's frozen. So half the inmates are pointed up on the windows to unthaw their meat before they can eat it. Is that, that's actually true? hundred percent true. They put the, say just one more time so I can kind of get wrap my head around so it. So the, when the uh, prison sends out the lunches, it's a okay. pre-made box lunch okay. and it comes packaged and they freeze them. Right. And the meat, the bologna, is still yes. frozen, so inmates will put it up on the window to heat it up. So this is where they do their lunch prep. This is where they cook their bologna. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. That would be a you great, asked. That would be a great picture to get of just like every window covered by pieces of bologna. Yeah. So the marshal service, we don't we don't buy lunches. Okay. Uh, we we ask. We generally ask that the the facility that's holding them bring them bring them out right. with a okay. with a Johnny sack with a lunch. Okay. And so it it ranges. We could get we, we get bologna sandwiches. We get uh, I don't know maybe I don't know what else we get. Mark. Uh, they get a lot of crackers, crackers, cheese crackers, cheese crackers, and kind of sounds like a little bit of an MRE. Yeah, a military not, MRE. It's you're not getting a uh, business class service on. Yeah, it's on, not that good. No. <laughs> yeah, and they got to be careful with like peanut butter sandwich and stuff because allergic reactions and stuff like that as well. So it's usually no peanuts or peanut butter, or nothing like that. Oh, okay, right. No in-flight entertainment. Just, just, uh, just us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the local stand-up comedians that may be important. <laughs> Okay. And before we start getting into your, you know, clientele that everybody is familiar with, you also have another airframe for your VIPs. That's a uh, that's essentially a, a private jet. 
A small, yes, it is yeah. a small jet. Yeah, that's kind of a posh experience, as they say in the United Kingdom. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's set up, you know, most as as most small jets are, you know, with nice seating and uh, you know uh, some amenities in there that you won't find obviously on a large uh-uh. large craft. No bolognese on the window. Not usually on the small one. No. Oh, okay. That's usually just a cracker meal for them. Because right. it's so small in there, it's hard to really transport anything extra on that. And no flight attendant. Just our beautiful faces okay. right here. There's usually uh, three security staff, and then there's also a medic right. on that one as well. Yeah. The next subject that I was just truly fascinated by that I really shouldn't be, and I have no excuse to be, they can ask her to the restroom? Correct. Is that a common occurrence? Yes. But we usually, sometime during the flight, we'll actually run what we call a P-call, and we go through the cabin from the back to the front and right. ask them if they need to go. And as they do, we send them back with uh, officers in the back assisting uh, the doors and the movement of the inmates. Right. They're not allowed to close the doors. No. Right. So that's a little, I guess, when you're used to that way of life, that's not that shock. That's pretty common for them, probably. Right. So, uh, they're being watched all the time. And to go to the restroom seemed to be, okay, I, I get it. Uh, but if you really need to go to the restroom, if you know what I mean. I was looking at the restraints, and I found my body doesn't turn that... I don't have that much leeway, uh, a freedom of movement. How do the prisoners manage that to do their business? Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I'm fascinated by the answer. How, can they, how do they manage to do their business if they are, if they are restrained like that? Laurel, you look like you have an answer. Uh, no, they, um, the first question I always ask, well, are you going to take off the handcuffs? Well, no, under no circumstances will we take off handcuffs. Right. And especially the females, uh, they think that we are going to take them off because they just can't obviously stand there and we'll tell them no. And they think it's the end of the world. If you really have to go to the bathroom, you're going to figure out how to wipe yourself. So, and that's the biggest thing is we, under no circumstances, are going to remove those handcuffs. Gentlemen, for the guys who are wearing the black boxes, can it be done? Do you have to be a contortionist to, to make that happen? Oh, they figure out ways to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if, it, if they have to go through the front to get it done, they'll, they'll go front to back. I mean, whatever it takes. To okay. Get it done. All right. Well, we didn't, I didn't know we'd get that uh, explicit, but thank you. Our biggest thing is security. Right. And uh, we want to make sure our guys are safe, our staff members are safe. Okay. And uh, some of these guys, uh, they may be using the restroom as a ploy to uh, get out of restraint and uh, pull out some type of uh, weapon that could be uh, right. keistered. So uh, those are things that uh, we... And uh, we're not going to necessarily define keistered, but I, I think you yeah, can you can, uh, you can kind figure of figure it out. out. Well, well yeah. as we've heard in, I forget what, my, uh, what comedy it was, was it uh, like 22 Jump Street, your, your prison wallet? There you go. That's the same one. We're, we're talking about the same thing. Absolutely. Okay. But uh, yeah, those, those guys, they, they figure it out. They, okay. they, they figure it out. Right, right, right. And what about fights? What's, what kind of frequency is, uh, do you get with uh, inmates fighting? Thankfully, it doesn't happen very often, but uh-huh. uh, it, certainly, uh, it certainly can happen. One of the ones I remember um, that comes right to the front of my mind, we were leaving Florence, Colorado. Where the uh, ADX. ADX is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Home of El Chapo. Yeah, so um, we had just taken off, and uh, uh, we get called to the back, uh, and there was a guy that slipped his chain, actually. He had slipped his belly chain, 
and um, had, for no reason at all just uh, decided he wanted to take out the guy in front of him and start choking him with it. So our guys obviously were right on top of it and got the two separated pretty quickly. But had they not been, uh, it could have been right. a bad day for that. And do you know the what guy. the source of the altercation was? He didn't know him. Guy said he had never seen the guy before. Yeah, just totally random. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah, it was just out of the blue. Wow. Yeah, and uh, we moved that guy several times uh, before and after that and, and never had any other problems with him. Just yeah, you just never know, man. You never know. Right. Yeah. yeah, you never know. So going back a little bit uh, to some one of the topics you talked about earlier about, you know, we don't have the, 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 the cage in there, right? So right. What, do we, what do we do when somebody gets really out of hand? And so one of the things that we have are special restraints uh, that we will allow allow those folks to be uh, we'll haul them put them back to the back of the uh, aircraft hold on one second i just want to say laurel thank you very much for doing the podcast laurel is going to get lasik tonight uh or today so uh, good luck with the lasik and thank you for uh, participating hey thank you all right bye-bye all right good yeah but one of the so one of the things that happened if these guys get out of hand we're able to uh, get them back to the back of the aircraft and then Really, you know, the, the, the term is a rip restraint, but it allows these folks to pretty much attach them to the seat oh, uh, and allow uh. it so that they're not, it kind of restricts their movement down. And uh, I know that happens, yeah, I would say, once once a month, maybe. Once, Correct. Yep. A couple times a month. Sounds about right. No. Oh, okay, interesting. The other thing we, we run into is people spitting a lot, spitting or biting. And uh, so we've got, you know, hoods that we... Our shields were able to put up up in front of them, so they're not able to, to spit on the staff or, or their their fellow prisoners. Right. And what when someone does that, what normally sets them off? Is it something that's happened like when they were earlier in the day before they got to you guys? Probably or earlier in their childhood, Chris. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's part more like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It could it could be a lot of things like that. And as Chief was talking about this, the rip restraint system that we use, they off, they also have like mittens that can cover their hands where they cannot grip anything so we do get some inmates that like to pull out their stuff and do whatever and and we run into that quite frequently actually and we'd have to tie them to the seat and put these mittens on so they can't uh, successfully get anything done okay so. that, that happens very well put that happens. <laughs> that happens because they they uh, haven't been around females in a while, and then there's females on the aircraft. Right. Let's jump to the the most interesting, uh, I think, for me anyway, uh, part of JPATS, the private jet service that some of your uh, clientele receive. How does it happen that, for instance, R. Kelly was in a private jet? Yeah, Chris. So you know, a lot of the the, the termination is not made by JPATS itself. Uh, we do uh-huh. we do weigh in and we do advise on who we think would be a good candidate for a smaller aircraft. The you know the Marshal Service uh, Prisoner Operations Division is really is, is our our customer, and so when we haul prisoners for them. They have a lot of the direction and, and as far as how the prisoner needs to be transported. We also assess each flight and each prisoner and make a determination, hey, this is somebody that should go on a large aircraft or someone that should go on a smaller aircraft. And so I would say probably 90% of the people that are on that smaller aircraft are uh, 
medical problems and issues, right? All right. And I would figure somebody like R. Kelly obviously has a charge that is con- in prison considered, uh, you know, kind of the lowest of the low. Am I, am I right on that? You have those type of guys with those charges on the plane every day, right. on the big plane. But uh, but, if, the, but an inmate who potentially can harm R. Kelly gets some kind of fame within the system, doesn't oh, he? Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. So those guys, are, you know, are, are more uh, known because of their uh, celebrity. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it helps to, to be able to put them on a smaller aircraft when you can. But one of the other uh, factors is that uh, some of these guys need to go to a, a different location than our large aircraft would have the capability of going it's better to, to use a smaller aircraft to get those guys to uh, certain locations. Right. R. Kelly came through Oklahoma City? Correct. Uh, I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. been yeah, through a few times. Yeah. A few times. He's a frequent flyer? Yeah, he is a frequent flyer. Yeah. You don't want uh, points on this particular airline? No. I think you go negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know how the experience was for you, but I know that Joe Mark moved R. Kelly. Was there anything notable about those flights with him? The only thing I could say about uh, R. Kelly was that uh, to talk to him, he really seemed like a nice guy, and uh, he came off uh, very personable. Right. And uh, he was very respectful to to me and my crew, and uh, he, he made several comments about flying. He did not like to fly. He told me that uh, he uh, most places he went, he, he did on the ground. Uh-huh. So uh, that that was kind of surprising to me. Right. And you were familiar with his charges, obviously. Oh, sure. Sure. And do you get that a lot where somebody is charged with a f- pretty heinous crime and appears to be nice, respectful, and somebody you want to hang out with? You know what? Most people would be surprised, but I think that's probably why they're uh, so successful at uh, victimizing people is because they come across uh, is very personable and uh-huh. and 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 uh, likable, and uh, I think that's probably how they lure people, uh, you know, into their traps. So, yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I was I was a little bit surprised that uh, that uh, he was uh, as personable as he was. Mm-hmm. Mark, what was your experience? Uh, he, did, he didn't really say much to me. He just uh, he did mention that he hated to fly and it made him sick and then he's scared. Um, but you didn't take it personally. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and Mark, was it true that you did ask him to, to, fl- was, to sing? I was going to ask him uh, to sing. Uh, I believe I could fly, and he just kind of laughed a little bit. So, you know, Chris Brown sang to me when I moved. Yeah, he did sing. Yeah, it. yeah. He really? Was, yeah, he sat right behind me, and of course, you know, we didn't ask for it, but he sang the whole flight. The whole <laughs> I think it was flight. a nervous tick thing. Yeah, that was it. Was it any good? Uh, yeah. Was he on I, mean, I can sing. Yeah. Oh, yeah? All oh, right. Yeah. He's got oh, pipes. Yeah. He's made millions of singing, so. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, but you get in the studio, uh, all, kinds, sure, of, right, all right, kinds of right. people can sing. Yeah. But when you're, like, cuffed up, man, if you can sing then? Yeah. Well, yeah, then, the guy did it. Okay. He did it. Then you're yeah. legit? Yeah, yeah. He, he's pretty legit, so. All right. Yeah, he was he was taking requests. All the guys behind him were all <laughs> putting in their requests, so, yeah. yeah. It was pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. Recently, uh, you had uh, Ghislaine Maxwell? Yep. She yeah. was transported on the small aircraft. On the small aircraft. Yep. Who else have you had through here lately that we would all... I, I think one of the things to, to point out, Chris, is that anybody you can think of that's recently been in federal criminal uh, issues or problems, we've touched them. So, you know, 
think back to January 6th and you've got a lot of folks that were that have been transported back to DC right. for uh, court hearings mm-hmm. regarding the uh, the events of January 6th including the uh, QAnon shaman uh, he was uh, recently on uh, one of our flights several years ago I think most people will be very familiar with the the problems that arose with the the uh, US gymnastics team and the doctor that was uh, mm-hmm. prosecuted for uh, sexually assaulting some of the gymnasts right uh we transported him uh, larry nasser right uh, right, right. He, he came through the the system do you have to take into consideration some of the charges against an inmate in terms of where you put them on the plane or if if they're uh in for uh, child pornography if they're considered a, a snitch it can uh, especially if you know when we're picking them up from the bop in the mornings that they let us know that you know, a certain inmate has maybe a, been a dropout or, or they're a sex offender and they, you know, other inmates know that they're a sex offender and they want to keep them separated in the BOP system. We can try to help, but as you've seen on our airplane today, that it's hard for us to really keep them separated completely. Do the other inmates know and let, do they let that other inmate know, hey, we know about you? I'm assuming that they would, but most of the time that stuff's going to happen like once they get to the prison system, not usually on our aircraft. Uh huh. Yeah, there's times actually to, uh, just to touch on that that we have uh, what we know prior to we have uh, what we call separatees. So it could be somebody that's testifying against you know uh, other defendants or, or something. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And they end up on the same airplane sometimes. So wow, we've got ways of marking them and and and, and we just separate them the best you can. You may put one in the back of the plane, one in the front of the airplane, and even uh, or, or however it works out the best. Um, so even like during the bathroom calls, like Mark mentioned earlier, the pee calls, they have to walk past each other every once in a while. So. Uh, we just keep an extra eye on them. Wow. We mark them so the whole crew knows who they are. Right. You know, our our main mission is obviously to transport prisoners uh, in in support of the American federal judicial system. Right. Outside of that, though, we are at times tasked by the attorney general to support uh, in times of uh, national emergencies. Within the last couple of years, we've done a, a variety of missions to support uh the, the, the American taxpayer and to help them out and including uh, relief efforts that were needed when uh, hurricane went through Puerto Rico. Yeah, I believe it was Maria, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maria. Maria. Yeah. Four years ago, yeah. <clears throat> and so that that's a very intense time uh, for, for JPATS where we were running a series of 9, 10, 11, 12 missions in a row without uh, stop. So back to back to back to back and constantly flying, taking uh, relief uh, supplies down. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, bringing prisoners out that were uh, their the facility was damaged by the hurricane, so we were bringing facility, uh, bringing prisoners out of Puerto Rico. You mentioned helping the taxpayer. No one ever called me and said, "Do you need a you know a private jet?" So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that kind of help. Well, you have to indicted to to be, be invited. invited. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> indicted to be invited. Yeah. Okay. Look, there is. <laughs> Is a pro and a con. Uh, maybe I'll just stay as I, as I am. I remember uh, back when I first came here back in uh, 2005, uh, we responded to uh, Hurricane Katrina. And uh, being uh, some of the only airplanes flying in that area at the time, uh-huh. we landed at the airport. And uh, I kid you not, it looked like a scene out of MASH. The uh, only thing that you could see looking out toward the city were helicopters. And they were literally flying over the neighborhoods there in the Ninth Ward, picking up people, 
and dropping them off at the airport, picking them up off of rooftops, you know, in the water, wherever they could get them. And uh, they were dropping them all, uh, dropping them off at the airport. And uh, me and the um, the officer in charge uh, that was with me on that mission, we were walking around the airport and uh, looking for just anybody that knew what was going on. And uh, we come across the uh, uh, deputy sheriff there that was at the uh, airport, and uh, uh, the officer in charge asked us, "Hey, uh, who's uh, who's running things here uh, right now at the airport?" And uh, that deputy looked at uh, the uh, the uh, the marshal that was with me and said, uh, "You are." So uh, yeah, so I mean it, that's how crazy it was. I mean those guys had no idea uh, what was going on or how to deal with all the people that were coming in. Uh, it was just a pretty bad deal, and uh, there were people uh, literally hanging on, uh, you know, uh, just to, to the very end of their life. Uh, they had people that they would bring and drop off at the airport that didn't make it. Uh, they had a makeshift morgue set up in the airport. Uh, it was, uh, it was pretty, um, pretty traumatic. You know, people had, uh, whatever they could grab, you know, uh, in their mm -hmm. arms and, and, uh, brought it with them. And, uh, it, uh, we, we moved a lot of people out of there. We were there for, seems like a, a week, um, three or four airplanes full uh, round the clock, moving people around the country, relocating them to, uh, just to get them to some places of um, that uh, they could get back on their feet. So, And you were moving inmates inmates as well at, the, at this time? Uh, the majority was all just civilians. Oh, just okay. Just civilians uh, right there out of New Orleans. I think we uh, toward the end we did end up moving some uh, prisoners out of there, but uh, the majority was, was uh, just civilians. Right. So, did you move animals as well? Oh yeah, yeah. There are people that uh, that had their animals, and uh, we load them right up and uh, took them with us. So, yeah. So uh, we've gotten involved uh, with uh, quite a bit of uh, mm -hmm. things uh, other than just moving inmates. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to go back because I know there's I know there's more in the entirety of your career. There's a lot of years uh, between you guys, and I know that you've moved more people that uh, we would have heard of. So I just kind of want to jump back and see if. Any others come to mind that are worth mentioning? Uh, Brian Mitchell. He was the uh, Elizabeth Smart kidnapper. Uh, right. I called him. I was listening to Joe talk about uh, Chris Brown singing to him, and it made me think of a uh, flight with him. He uh, sat right next to me because the certain aircraft we had, there was a couch. That was the only place they could sit by the door, so one of us has to sit for security reasons, by the door. So I ended up sitting right next to. Uh, <clears throat> this sounds like uh, one of the small jets. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, we're you know it's quiet and there's nothing really going on. And all of a sudden, uh, he tried to get real close to my face uh, with his face and asked me if I like music. And uh, obviously, once I got him kind of away from my face, he started singing really, really loud like church hymns <laughs> so <laughs> just out of the blue out of the blue just yeah no there's no uh no music prompt there it was just okay. i guess he was uh wanting to know if i like music that well or not right. i mean and that's part of probably part of it is like you have to be like we talked about before a lot of things are going to happen that you don't see coming they're just gonna right they're yeah. just gonna happen absolutely right when you said that, I, I forgot when Chris was uh, singing to us back there, uh, right before we landed, he said, hey, Marshall, uh, you got any more of those bologna sandwiches? <laughs> so he obviously uh, hadn't been eating any bologna for a while, so he was, uh, he was, he was enjoying the bologna sandwich. So this is another vote for the bologna for sandwich. For the bologna sandwich, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, and speaking of bologna sandwiches, <laughs> Jared Fogel, old Subway guy. Jared, I forgot about him. Yeah, I'm Jared. sure our bologna sandwiches is probably not as good as the old cold cut trio from Subway. Probably. And Jared got done up on some child child related charges, right? Correct. So in the beginning, you guys were traveling him on a on a jet. We took him on the small jet till the point where he got sentenced and then we put him on the big jet with everybody else you guys touched joe exotic yeah he did come through uh i wasn't on that mission but he he's, he's been through a couple of times actually on right. our aircraft yeah yeah so he was prosecuted chris here in the in in oklahoma city the, the western district of oklahoma and so upon prosecution he was sentenced and designated to a bop facility uh, somewhere along the way, he had some appeals uh, process going on, and so we hauled we hauled him back uh, here for the appeals process. And one of the things that I think was kind of interesting was he was, you know, and I, who who knows what the conversation was he had with his his attorney, but part of that process was that uh, you know he was convinced that when he was on his way back, he was going to have a, a reduced sentence or even be set free, and so. Interestingly, interestingly enough, when he got back, the judge uh, increased his sentence. So he was not very, uh, he wasn't very uh, happy when we had to haul him back to the BOP facility after. Didn't go his way. It did not go his way. (laughs) Uh, uh, He just kept mentioning something about Carol Baskin, but I don't know exactly what it is. (laughs) One that kind of bothered me, you know, just the the nature of those crimes, Michael Vick. Yeah, we had Michael... uh, on the large aircraft, I never seen him on the small aircraft, but on the large aircraft, and I got a chance to kind of talk to him, and he just kind of mentioned that, you know, that's something they did when when he was younger, and once he got started making money and got popularity in the NFL or whatever, that's something that he never that never disappeared. Sammy the Bull Gravano. Uh, Sammy was very respectful. Um, you know, I don't know him in his personal life other than the f- the few hours or so that he he was on the airplane, but uh, he was very respectful, quiet. By the way, did you even really need to say that that you don't know him? In his <laughs> yeah. personal life? was that was that a question? It's for the record. Oh, you oh you caught that. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I mean, I guess I should have said obviously I don't. Uh, yeah, he he no problems at all. Uh, we had him a certain time of his uh, prison career. Uh, where he's being taken care of by the government uh, prior to his uh, getting back into the criminal enterprise that he, that he was doing before. So yeah, most of those mob guys, you know, we've seen a lot of them over the years. Most of them, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty chill. And if if the prisoners that are flying with them know who they are, they'll sit there and talk the whole flight, just telling stories to those guys. Right. So, yeah, that's gonna be so, pretty. So so we we really don't have any trouble out of those guys. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, Whitey Bulger, he was one of them that we moved. And, you uh, moved Whitey Bulger. We moved old Whitey. And we moved him several times, actually. And uh, he wasn't any problem for us. You know, uh, he complained a lot. You know, too hot, too cold, uh, you know, things like that. But uh, for the main part, uh, he wasn't any trouble for us. Actually, the last time I, that uh, we uh, saw Whitey, uh, we had dropped him off there at, uh, uh, in Pennsylvania. And uh, they took him to uh, a prison there at the BOP facility uh, where he was actually killed. That night. That night. That night. And then the marshal service uh, uh, took all of his assets and uh, auctioned them for uh, victim reparation. Made some good money, apparently. You had the underwear bomber. They made a pretty big deal about him moving him. We 
got put into a hangar separately and they shut the doors and we loaded him up and then they opened the doors, taxied us back out and then we took off. So nobody, no public could see him because uh, they were, you know, trying to look out for media type stuff. Was there media looking? Uh, there were some helicopters, I guess, supposedly, oh, okay. it, you know, somewhere in the distance. I didn't, I never seen them, but uh, SOG had all that taken care of. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, special operations group. And you had Martha Stewart? Martha Stewart. She didn't say a word. So. <laughs> She just kind of sat there. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, sadly, only because I really liked his character, but uh, the guy who played Billy in the Predator movie. Yeah, we, we had him on the plane. He's a, he's a very large guy, by the way. Uh, he had aged uh, a little bit. hard to recognize. But, yeah, he uh, opened up to me when I kind of acknowledged who he was, that, uh, you know, what had happened. So, yeah, we had him on the plane. Yeah, well, he's, I liked his character. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he found himself on your plane. <laughs> Me too. And then the Somali pirates. I'm the captain. We had a couple of those guys uh, come across, and of course, uh, uh, somebody. I was another prisoner that mentioned, "I'm the captain now." Of course, uh, you know the, the the pirates turned around and laughed and said, "Yeah, it's not so funny anymore." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, we we, we yeah. we've had all those guys. The uh, very first Survivor winner we had on, on the plane. Oh, that's right. What, yeah. was, it, what was his name uh, again? Hatch. Richard Hatch. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. really tall guy. And, uh, of course, it was uh, he was uh, pretty easy to pick out, and several of the prisoners recognized him right off the bat and said, hey, what'd you do with the money? <laughs> Sometimes people come to you, uh, you know, just for the thrill. Yeah, so Joan London, I, I believe the show was Behind Closed Doors. She came to us and wanted to uh, act like a prisoner all day long, so we put her in a uh, orange jumpsuit and put the three-piece suit on her, which is the handcuffs and leg irons and uh, belly chain, and we put her on the airplane with the other inmates and hauled her around all day long. And that made for an enlightening piece? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was real exciting. She probably she may have called Martha Stewart and said, I had the best bologna sandwich ever. Nice. <laughs> Gourmet. <laughs> and the people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've learned many things today. We've learned that if you don't like bologna, don't, uh, don't get indicted. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a takeaway. So I just want to say thank you very much to Mark uh, McPherson, the chief of uh, J-Pats. Thank you very much, sir. Jeff Kelly, the Aviation Enforcement Manager, and Mark Johnson, Laurel Edwards, and uh, Joe Geist. Thank you all very much for, okay, uh, okay, sorry. Joe, how do you pronounce your name? Gist. Gist. Have you thought about changing it to Geist? I have, trust me. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, thank you most of all to Joe Gist for participating today. And finally, Chasing Evil is produced with the cooperation of the United States Marshal Service and contains interviews with current and retired employees as well as other persons. Opinions, positions, and views expressed by any of them may not reflect the official views, positions, or policies of the United States Marshal Service. Stay safe, everyone. (laughs) 